BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. We begin today with some of the conflicts arising from the state's gradual move back to a COVID-19 normal. The upshot, in some parts of the state, it's been messy. The sheriff of Sonoma County says he will no longer enforce the local shelter-in-place order until health officials provide more transparency. In a Facebook post Thursday, Sheriff Coroner Mark Essex said the current order contains inconsistent restrictions. He told KQED that residents are growing concerned over perceived unequal treatment when it comes to which businesses get to reopen and which don't. When we see that kind of disparity where a health order is picking winners and losers, people get concerned about that and people they push back and they resist that. And it puts my deputies in a terrible position to go out and have to do enforcement on an order that's so unfair. Essex said he believes Sonoma County has made progress in flattening the curve. He thinks the current order should be reevaluated. County public health officials did not immediately respond to a request for comment. A Central Valley church is reopening this weekend and plans to defy new limits set by the Newsom administration. And as Valley Public Radio's Laura Sitsui reports, the pastor says he's suing the state. Pastor Jim Franklin says Cornerstone Church in downtown Fresno can hold 1,400 people, but this Sunday will accommodate only 350 people. That's a quarter of its capacity, but far more than the state allows. Franklin says the governor's rules unfairly limit churches. Shopping malls are opening with hundreds of people in their facilities. Why has the church been placed under these types of restrictions of only allowing 100 people? But Fresno County Interim Health Officer Dr. Ray Svora defended the statewide guidance. The attendance cap is only in effect for three weeks. Vora says if someone catches the coronavirus through church, three weeks is enough time to incubate the virus and develop symptoms. And so keeping that number at 25 percent or 100 will allow us to detect outbreaks uh, and hopefully contain them as early as possible and then really go back and say, you know, what do we need to adjust here? Vora says he does expect the state to increase the attendance limit in three weeks. 
Franklin says Cornerstone Church is joining a lawsuit along with a Lodi Christian church against the state of California, citing violations of religious freedom. For the California Report, I'm Laura Satsui in Fresno. Few industries have been hit harder by the COVID-19 outbreak than the hospitality business. A recent state tally shows that 900,000 jobs have been lost in California alone. As the state continues to reopen, cities and counties are exploring ways that restaurants can serve customers again in person, including shutting down streets to cars. With more on how that's going, here's KCRW's Benjamin Gottlieb. There's no shortage of dining options in downtown Long Beach, at least typically. COVID-19 has forced nearly every restaurant on one of this city's main drags, Pine Avenue, to close down. The only one serving up food on a recent weekday was George's Greek Cafe, just for takeout and delivery. Even so, they're struggling. We usually have about 35 employees. And what's the staff right now? Currently, we're probably working with about six to eight. Tori Yarmaluk is the general manager here. She says she's counting the days when her block on Pine will be shut down to all car traffic. They're already planning what the restaurant might look like. I've seen a couple renditions, actually, where they do build-outs into the street. Uh, I know that there's going to be hand dispensers and that we were going to have the sidewalks pretty much divided so there's a walking space, there's a standing space we're waiting for takeout. Long Beach Mayor Robert Garcia is pushing the idea, and he says the first road closures will happen in the next couple weeks. I mean, we're looking at what Oakland's doing with their neighborhood street program. And we're, we're looking at what other parts of the world and other, other cities and other countries are doing and how they're closing down different streets. Now, other parts of California have already done similar things. Santa Barbara, for example, shut down its main drag, State Street, to cars. But closing thoroughfares to vehicle traffic and setting up tables and chairs in front of storefronts is just part of the equation. Whether folks will feel safe doing so in L.A. County, California's coronavirus hotbed is a separate issue. For the California Reports, I'm Benjamin Gottlieb in Long Beach. Every three months, our state auctions off what are known as cap-and-trade credits. It's a way of raising money that the state can then turn around and spend on environmental programs. But the auction held this month, well, it didn't make much money. Kevin Stark with KQED Science says it's more coronavirus fallout. Cap-and-trade limits the total amount of greenhouse gas emissions in the state, but companies can increase their output by purchasing pollution allowances from businesses that release less. This happens at four state exchanges each year. California uses the money to clean dirty drinking water, encourage electric vehicles, and to create programs that reduce emissions. The state's latest auction generated only about $25 million. Recent sales brought in six to $800 million. Businesses bought fewer carbon credits after demand for oil and gas plummeted due to a statewide stay-at-home order meant to slow the spread of the coronavirus. For the California Report, I'm Kevin Stark. A trigger warning now for those of you who, shall we say, don't love visiting the dentist? If you're overdue for a dental cleaning, listen up. For our next story, KQED science reporter Laura Clivens looks at what going to the dentist is like as California starts to reopen. A few days before you even show up for an appointment at Dr. Natasha Lee's dental practice in San Francisco, you get a phone call. We go through a questionnaire that asks about symptoms and travel. No red flags? You drive over to the clinic, knock on the door, and do that same screening again, plus a temperature check. Only then do we actually allow a patient to come into the practice. 
you'll get a mask and see a receptionist surrounded by plexiglass. So my my receptionist is in kind of an aquarium here. A staff member escorts you to your treatment room. And then, of course, when, when I come into the room, they say, oh, Dr. Lee, it's so nice to see you. And then I realize they can't see me because I'm behind all this PPE now. A disposable gown. Safety glasses. Face mask. Face shield. It may be hard to hear Dr. Lee. She's got four new HEPA filters whirring in her office. Starting in mid-March, dental offices were open for emergencies only, like a painful broken tooth or swelling in your face. But as California entered phase two of the state's reopening, that time of curbside pickup for flower shops and bookstores, the state said routine dental care like cleanings and exams could resume. But the guidance has been confusing, a patchwork of rules and regulations. The state was saying one thing, and then you had counties saying different things, and then everyone was like, well, who do I listen to? Across the San Francisco Bay, Dr. Sharon Albright, who was once my dentist, has taken a lot of the same precautions as Dr. Lee. She says dentists are uniquely prepared for the challenge the coronavirus presents. We've been dealing with a lot of things in dentistry. There was AIDS. There's always been hepatitis B, tuberculosis. Still, Dr. Albright says she's doing lots to prepare before seeing patients when she opens next week, stocking up on PPE, HEPA filters. She says she's spent more than $10,000. When offices do get back up and running, they'll see fewer patients. Dr. John Blake, who runs a large children's dental clinic in Long Beach, says his nonprofit saw about 100 young patients a day pre-pandemic. He says they can see about half of those patients now. It's a big hit on our efficiency and productivity. But he says it's worth it to maintain safety. And he's assuring his patients that they will be safe. The CDC says there have been no clusters of COVID-19 outbreaks reported in dental settings. The dental office, if they have the proper PPE, if they have the proper recommended protocols in place, is much safer than going to the supermarket. Okay, so if you're not crazy about going to the dentist, all the dentists in this story say taking care of your teeth now means fewer visits in the future. For the California Report, I'm Laura Clivens. State utility regulators are giving the green light to PG&E on its $58 billion plan to get out of bankruptcy. The CPUC approved the plan with a unanimous vote yesterday. It's a major hurdle now removed on PG&E's path out of Chapter 11. The company declared bankruptcy last year, citing billions in damages from fatal fires it caused in 2017 and 2018. Earlier yesterday, though, the federal judge overseeing PG&E's case stemming from the San Bruno explosion, accused the company of continuing to act recklessly and failing to safely maintain its lines. Judge William Alsup told lawyers that if there ever was a corporation that deserved to go to prison, it is PG&E. California voters could see one or more November ballot measures to legalize sports gambling, including a new proposal unveiled by state legislators on Thursday. KQED politics reporter Guy Marzarati has the story. Napa State Senator Bill Dodd says sports betting is already big business in California. In the billions of dollars right now, and it's totally untaxed. And totally illegal. Dodd is proposing to change that with a November ballot measure that would legalize and tax sports betting at tribal casinos, horse race tracks, and online. 
Dodd's been working on the idea for months, but he's got a new selling point, California's massive budget shortfall. Raising money from as many sources as possible so we can make fewer cuts uh, to this already devastated budget is so incredibly important. The constitutional amendment could face opposition from California's powerful Indian tribes. The tribes are trying to qualify their own sports gambling measure, one that would also give them a leg up on their competition from card rooms. Dodd says his proposal tries to give casinos new business while protecting the card rooms. This is like trying to solve Middle East peace, to bring peace between the card rooms and the tribes. The constitutional amendment will need a two-thirds vote in the legislature to qualify for the November ballot. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati. Now let's turn to our sister show, The California Report's weekly magazine. This week, the show profiles 22-year-old Hannah Hayen Kim. She's a student at Cal State LA, but over the last few weeks, she's also stepped up to become the head of her household. Her grandmother came down with COVID-19 just after Kim's family moved her out of a nursing home to keep her safe. Since then, much of the family has tested positive. Her grandmother and her father have both passed away. Her mom ended up in intensive care. And for my mom, we thought she was okay because she was calling us and texting us. But all of a sudden, she, you know, started declining and then they had to move her to the ICU. Now it's just Kim and her 17-year-old brother at home. Hannah's also having to figure out how to pay the bills with no income. I'll watch like random videos on TikTok. So many teenagers and like young adults like having so much fun in their quarantine and just like, I'm having a terrible time in my quarantine right now um, because my family isn't together. Kim and her brother have been alone at home now for four weeks. Their mom is steadily improving, though. The story is on this week's California Report magazine in collaboration with L.A.'s Koreatown Youth and Community Center. Tune in on this station or download the podcast. And that's the California Report for this Friday, May 29th, the production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer. Raquel Maria Dillon, Alice Wolfley, and Mary Franklin Harvin are our producers. Angela Corral is the editor of the show. Vinny Tong is our managing editor. Ethan Lindsay is our executive editor. And Holly Kernan is our chief content officer. My co-host is Saul Gonzalez. I'm Lily Jamali. Thanks so much for listening and have an awesome weekend, everyone. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. Paint care. Ideas for storing leftover paint to keep it fresh and tips for using it up can be found at paintcare.org and the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. 
Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures. Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! <laughs> 